We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get to the mailbag, Mr. Roberts. And we're going to start off with one of the OGs of Irish Breakdown, Notre Dame 2164, my guy. And he asks, so Jones, Peter Jones, and, and uh, Anthony Knapp both project to be in tier guys. Correct, if that is the case. And we have a four-man O-line class. Our next two O-line have to be pure tackles, right? And so he brought this question up, but I wanted to kind of get it again because not everybody was in the chat. We had a our number of people in the ch- – the reason I'm bringing this up, Ryan, the number when we were – breaking down Anthony Knapp of people that were in the show is a lot lower than it is now. We've had a lot of people join. So I did want to bring this up so you could address it because I know there's some people that missed that part of the breakdown. They're going to have the same exact question about Anthony Knapp. So I wanted to give you a chance to speak on that again in the the mailbag. And it's a great question, right? It's one that we have had conversations about even before Anthony, you know, went public with the conversation, right? Is that as of right now from sources that we're hearing, right? Is that, it's not a, it's not necessarily a given that Anthony Knapp is guard at the next level or an interior player at the next level. He might have a shot at offensive tackle. Peter Jones is the same way, though. I want people to understand that. I think that Peter Knapp, uh, Peter Knapp, Peter Jones is a better guard potentially than tackle. There's no doubt about it. But I also believe that Notre Dame may have intentions of giving him a shot at tackle. Like that's yeah. possible, right? So that could change the formula a little bit for this question, but regardless, I would still take two offensive tackle types. I personally would. I would I take four. The I, mean, yes. I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I like guys that play, t- even if they're not necessarily for sure tackles in college. Yep. I just, I like tackles. I think it's a, I just, that's the kind of, you usually get a little bit longer guys. You get more powerful guys. To me, P, this is Peter Jones. Yeah. Peter Jones is a top 250 caliber offensive tackle. Is that fair? He's a top 150 caliber guard. The point being, he's good at both. He could play both. It's just his ceiling is higher and floor is higher at guard than it is tackle, in my opinion. That's our opinion. Yep. I don't know if that's Notre Dame's opinion. But the fact that he can grade out as a top 250 guy at both, Ryan, to me is a reason why you like Peter Jones. You, generally speaking, you, you know people should like Peter Jones because he brings a lot of positional flexibility. He can play three positions in the Notre Dame offense, right tackle and both guards. Yep, and that's that's where you want to be. You don't want guys that are pigeonholed into one. You you don't want a guy that's 
only can play center or only can play right tackle because he can't play left-handed anywhere. That yep. That's not a, a great way to put a, a five-man group together. Agreed. And so that's uh, that's one thing I like about both of these kids, to be completely honest with you. I mean, there's a possibility that – I don't think it's outrageous to say that Anthony Yanap could potentially play four different positions at Notre Dame. I mean, he can right. play – center he can play both guards and might be able to play tackle right like one of the right. tackle spots so it's gonna be interesting man but i mean that's kind of where we are right now is that those guys are probably going to have the opportunity to play tackle at notre dame and then we'll see where it goes from there but regardless still targeting guys that can play offensive tackle at the next level like gerby lambert is a guy that i would look at tremendously and then caleb brewer would be the other guy personally that i would take a deep look at but then you also still have guys like Andrew Sprague on the board, Kevin Haywood, who are more offensive tackle types than interior players. Yep. Good stuff. Here we go. John Mayernich, Ryan. John's question. Hypothetically, would Notre Dame take all five of Carson Hobbs, Leonard Moore, Aaron Scott, Caleb Beasley, and John Mitchell? I feel a few could play safety as well if need be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It would depend on the order in which those guys committed. I won't tell you what that order is, but I think it would depend on the order. For example, I'll, t- I'll give you one little one. If they have four of those five guys committed and Caleb Beasley decides he wants to come to Notre Dame, they'd take him. They'd take him, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think John Mitchell's the only uh, – mm, John Mitchell's – actually, he could play receiver. 
all five of those kids can play. Aaron Scott is a Division One wide receiver. He yes, is. yes, he's just a d- potential Division One star at cornerback. Like if Aaron Scott was like, "Hey, I want to play receiver," he'd be like, "All right, cool, we'll give you a shot. You're a pretty good football player." You know, so so and, and John Mitchell would be a pretty good slot, in my opinion. I, I don't think he's as good there as he is a, 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 in the secondary. That's that's my only thing. I think he has a chance to be a really good field or nickel corner, both, not just a nickel corner. He brings a lot of ability to the table in both, but he could play receiver if you needed him to. He can return kicks. To me, I think Leonard Moore could play safety. I definitely think Carson Hobbs could play safety. And I think Caleb Beasley could play safety. It's like a cover. Like Caleb Beasley could be a bigger version in college of what Julian Love is in the NFL. Right? A cover safety. But he's bigger than Julian Love was by at least two inches taller than Julian Love was. So I would I would personally be okay with that. I just think the odds of it happening are incredibly <laughs> slim. Like yeah. It, it gets hard to sell. It, it yeah. would be hard at that point to sell all five of those guys of like, hey, man, like, you know, this is our plan for you type of thing, right? But, I mean, t- Brian, we've talked about this, though. I mean, I think back to when Coach Freeman was – when Coach Freeman loves – I mean, Coach when Coach Freeman coached at Cincinnati, they were basically positionless in the, in the back end at, at the secondary, right? Like, they had guys that could just play man coverage – all over the board, like the Orquan Bushes yeah. of the world and the Brian Cooks were guys that could move inside and could just cover man-to-man. On most teams, Orquan Bush is a starting outside corner, but you had a mod Gardner and Kobe Bryant, so it's like, dude, just move inside. You're there, right? And I think that that is an interesting opportunity if it does happen. I, I love that they're doing that. They're just recruiting guys that can cover. And just, yes, can you cover? I mean, that's a big, big thing. Yep. Big, big thing. Let's get to some more. Some really good questions today, Ryan. We did have a super chat from Sean. Uh, he he had left a $99 super chat, and he wanted to send it to the show. So I will actually retroactively add this to uh, yesterday's total, Sean. Nice. So uh, I appreciate that very much. We'll definitely get that rocking and rolling. So I appreciate you doing that and appreciate your support along with everybody else that gave. And there's a lot of people, like we had 63, now 64 individual Super Chat donations between the two shows yesterday. But there was also a lot of people who didn't give Super Chats yesterday, Ryan, that just went out and just gave directly to the organization. So we had a lot of people step up. And it's just one of those things, Ryan, where I just love being a part of this community. I really yeah. do. There's some, so many great people here, man. Whenever somebody needs prayer, you just see the responses in the chat. Whenever someone's struggling with something, you see responses. Whenever somebody has a kid, just the, the, the outpouring of, of excitement. I, this, y'all are awesome. I love this community. Love this community. Mm-hmm. Quinn Kibler, uh, Ryan, here we go. Here's one. Quinn says, Brian, you ready for the red season? Heck no. I could not care less about the Cincinnati they're, Reds. They're anymore. bad right now, right? Like They're, they're bad, terrible. They? Yeah. I saw somebody sent me something the other day. Ken Griffey Jr. will be the high, fourth highest paid player on the Reds this year <laughs> because wild. he's still getting money from his – he's getting like three-something million dollars a year, and he's supposedly going to be like the fourth highest paid guy the Reds are going to have this year. That's, That's so embarrassing. Like, it's a joke. They it, That mm, – I don't have a lot of love for the Reds' ownership right now. I really don't. <laughs> So I'm going to just, I just, I'm like, look, I don't like watching junk. If you don't care about your product, why should I? I don't have a lot of free time. I'm not going to spend it on a, on watching an, an organization that just doesn't care about putting a good product on the field. So I got more important things to do with my time than to watch the Reds. When they start caring again about putting a good product out, like if I was writing articles and just writing gibberish, 
and just writing just the dumbest things like he good, he play quarterback, you know, start like, like Bam Bam or something like that from the Flintstones or something. Would y'all read it? No, like, this is garbage. I'm not going to take my time out of my day to read this <laughs> stuff. Right. And that's how I feel about the Reds. So I just they're definitely care. not. They're definitely not the big red machine anymore. That's no. for sure. <laughs> I mean, they're not even the good teams that, 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 you know, that they had 10 years ago. I mean, you know, where yeah. they were getting to the playoffs I mean, they're getting knocked down the first round, but I mean, you know, whatever. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So I do not care. Ryan, you're, are you a Phillies fan? Phillies fan. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh. I, I, I've, I've, I went through a little bit of a weird baseball thing there. I was a big baseball fan growing up. And then the Phillies didn't make the, the playoffs for like a decade. So I was just mm-hmm. like, wow, I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> yeah. But ho- thankfully the Phillies are a lot better now. They made the world series, even though they lost this past year, obviously. Yeah. So, yep. The uh, Phillies were a really good team when I was a really little kid. Cause when I was yeah. young and like I, my first sport I fell in love with as a kid was baseball because my dad's a big baseball guy. My dad was a big red machine guy. So, I mean, I've actually seen Tony Perez and Pete Rose play in person. Now, they were old when I saw him play, but I saw him play. And so, I mean, I was going to games like young as a kid, mm-hmm. like young. And so, you know, my dad still felt bad about how Pete left to go to the Phillies because Pete Rose played for the Phillies and won a World Series with the Phillies with Mike Schmidt. But I, yeah. I remember watching Mike Schmidt up as a kid, you know, and, and watching those those Philly teams. So they were really oh, good. Man, I missed that. those old uniforms. I'm not going to lie to you. When they, when they wear those as a throwback, I love it. The, the light yeah. blue with the, the maroon or whatever, those are yeah. great, great throwback uniforms. Oh, man, th- those teams are crazy with uh... – with Larry Boa and Mike Schmidt and um, Steve Carlton as their pitcher. And yeah, they were incredible. Yeah. They were incredible. Well, my, dad's, my dad's favorite baseball player of all time is actually Johnny Bench for a little oh, bit yeah. of Red's conversation there. You go. there so there you, you go. Know. Yeah. My, uh, my dad was a Yankees fan as a kid in Virginia, but when he moved to Ohio, he immediately fell in love with the big red machine, man, immediately fell in love with them. And uh, some people in this chat really know how to hurt me, man. Just really not to make oh, me no. feel bad. Uh, Bailey Brad said Ryan Howard was my favorite player growing up. When Ooh. you're talking about, so here, here's the funny thing because you'll probably say the same thing. When you're talking about Ryan Howard was your player growing up, meaning like when you were a kid, Ryan Howard was the guy I watched in my 30s. Yes, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, so Bailey Brad, you know how to hurt me, man. You know how to hurt Ken, me. Ken Griffey Jr. was probably my favorite player yeah. growing up, man. I love Ken Griffey Jr. My first favorite player was Dave Concepcion. I loved Dave Concepcion. He was a shortstop. So my first T-ball number was 13. I loved Dave Concepcion. Then when he was replaced by Barry Larkin, Barry Larkin became my first player, favorite Larkin player. Good, then man. Griffey was my favorite non-Reds player. And, and of course, he eventually played for the Reds. So, yeah, Barry Larkin was my dude after Dave Concepcion retired. And that was like that transition at shortstop. You went from – it was either going to be Larkin or Kurt Treadway. Or yeah. Kurt Treadwell. And, it, and obviously Larkin was that guy. But, yeah, I loved watching Barry Larkin play, man. First video player. game I ever had was the uh, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball oh, game so on bad. Nintendo, dude. It was great. Was it was so fantastic. Bad. My <laughs> favorite baseball game, I'm trying to remember, uh, Baseball Stars. My dad and I would play this because you'd have, like, different teams and, like, there was, like, a ninja team. But, like, one of the teams was, like, the old, like, yeah, Babe Ruth on it, Lou Gehrig. Uh, baseball Stars was, was awesome. And then RBI Baseball, obviously, growing up was a pretty cool deal, too, so – but yeah, you, your your version of baseball games is a little bit cleaner than the ones I played with growing up as a kid. <laughs> so, but yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I used to love baseball, man. I just, you know, honestly, I stopped liking it even before the Reds started stinking because I just don't enjoy what it had become. I don't enjoy the whole, 
you know, everyone hits a home run, walks or strikes out. I, you know, you don't hit and run anymore. You don't bunt anymore. You don't steal bases anymore. I mean, just, just I don't like the game. And they, now with the they, stupid took, they took the shift stuff. away. And yeah, this yeah. pitch clock stuff. I just, I hate, <clears throat> like if I go to a baseball game, I don't want it to the whole reason I love going to baseball games is it's chill. It's just, I get to relax. I can talk to someone in between pitches. Now it's just like, okay, you know, this silly stuff where you're getting called a ball or strike and you're not even throwing it. It's just like, man, I just can't stand it. I cannot stand the pitch clock and, and all this yeah. stuff. It's just like you, you've got a guy running that, that you're trying to, this has always failed. You're trying to appeal to a group, to a community that will never fully dive into what you're doing. And all you're doing is turning off the people who, do support your sport, in my opinion, or some, because some people are going to like it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And all the people I've, I've never, I have yet to meet anyone over 30 that thinks the pitch clock is a good idea. Uh, I, I just don't. I don't. I've actually thought, I haven't talked to anybody yet that thinks it's a good yeah. idea. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just my, uh, my so. dad my dad hates it too. So you've so. lost a, you've lost a guy that grew up. I mean, I I used to we used to play baseball games with dice. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? When you were a kid, Ryan. No. So no. you'd have like your you'd take your baseball cards and you'd have your team, and okay. so you take you take two dice and like uh, two sixes was a grand slam. You know, six you get some combination of six. You know, uh, is like a single. Seven is a fly out. Like you just roll your dice and it's like you have some are out, some are hits, and you know, snake eyes was like a I can't remember what that one was, but uh, there was just different things where you know I mean that's what I grew up. Man, I loved baseball. I would sit there and listen to Reds games. I'd listen to Marty Brenneman and Joe Knoxall do play by plays, and I'd have my three ring binder with my loose leaf paper in it, and I'm literally keeping the box score and I'm tabulating their stats throughout the season because you didn't always have that. You know, the paper would have it. You know, at the end of the week, but I mean that's how much I love baseball, and they've completely turned me off. In the last yeah. three years, I don't think I've watched a single game of baseball, and I was thinking like, you know what, I'm gonna get back to baseball. I may find a new team. But I'm gonna get back to baseball, and then they did all this this crap with the pitch clock. I'm like, I'm good, I'm hard yeah. pass, I'm done. But hey, I, I good know, luck attracting some millennial that's gonna watch you for five minutes and then get bored and go do something else. Good, good luck with that. I, I know, I know, some people like that the shift is gone now, but I kind of hated that personally because, like, I was part of like the. That's part of like the strategy in baseball, but see, you, you know, being you, able to hit away and yeah. right. Yeah. You grew up with yeah. the shift. My yeah. whole thing with the shift is. Here's a thought. Teach freaking hitters how to hit the opposite direction. That's what I'm saying. You're losing you know the I mean? fundamentals right. now. Like, it's just, right. yeah, exactly. Right. I, I, that's, but, I mean, I, I get I, – I, I, I don't mind them getting rid of the shift. I mean, I, I, I think it's silly. But it's because I didn't grow up with the shift. The shift became a thing. I mean, there was, there was the shift's been around for a long time. But sure. it, came, it became prominent when I was older, you kind of grew up a little bit more with that. So I think that's kind of why I didn't like it is because like with anything, I, I was traditionalist. I liked the, I thought baseball was a great game yeah. in the eighties and nineties. I mean, hit and runs st- like people like, well, you know, I don't want to watch some boring one to one to nothing. I'm, I'm sorry. One of the greatest games I ever watched as a child was John Smoltz versus Jack Morris in the, in the world series. I think it was like a Ooh. one to nothing game. You want, you want to hear a funny story about that? Yeah, that sure. was in the world series. That was actually the night I was born. My dad was oh, really? watching that game when Jack Morris really? was a no hitter. Well, thank Morse you for making me more really freaking yes. old because You're I remember welcome. watching that game and you were being birthed. <laughs> my, so, my, my dad was Thanks, literally Ryan. watching was watching the no hitter in the room while I was yeah. while my mother was giving That's birth. Funny. So yes. that's really funny. 
Yeah, yeah, way to make me feel really old, Ryan. Thanks I'm sorry, man. I'm like, sorry. That's a great. That's a great. If you if you can't appreciate that type of game, yeah. and I don't think you understand baseball, and I just I got I have no use for that to be completely honest with you. So I just I'm done. I'm done yeah. with baseball to be honest with you. So I have more important things to do in my time than watch that nonsense. Here's a question, Ryan, from Nathan Milton. I'll actually ask this one, let you answer it, Ryan. What is the yeah. ideal? Nathan asks, what is the ideal tackle sizes and what is the shortest tackle size you'd be comfortable with? Nathan, this is a lot different than an NFL conversation, right? So, like NFL, you want at least six foot four, you want 33 and a half plus inch arms. 34 is the desired threshold, though, for an NFL offensive tackle, but you can pass with 33 and a half. Some people have dropped the threshold down to 33 because guys like Rashawn Slater and Penny Sewell have come in recently, and they're just barely over 33 inches. I think Rashawn was actually at exactly 33 inches. So that's kind of the desired threshold from a NFL perspective. I mean, ideally you want 6'5 plus though, but you can pass with 6'4 as long as you have the desired length. College is a little different, man. Like college, like a college football player doesn't necessarily have to be a great NFL player, right? So like maybe they don't project as an offensive tackle to the next level. But Liam Eikenberg had 32 and some odd inch arms, and he was a really good left tackle in the NFL. Zach so, Martin wasn't much longer than him, and he was an elite left tackle as well. Exactly. So I, I think it's very situational, right? Like at Notre Dame, I still think you want to shoot for 33 inch arm length. Like that would still be great, but there are going to be some exceptions. Like if there's a guy that's technically advanced or has really good foot quickness that has that can overcompensate for the lack of length, sure. But like ideally, you still want a guy that's six four and a half plus 33 plus inch arms on the college level. Like that is ideal, but it's not always a deal breaker on the college mm-hmm. level. Not always a deal breaker. And there's always the exceptions to the rule. Isaiah Wynn, who's six two, you know, is an exception to a rule. I don't care as much about height, Ryan, as I do length, to your point. And can you play long? Zach Martin could play long because he was so fundamentally sound. He could play, yeah. he could he could get away with things that a guy, another guy couldn't. Yep. So yeah, I, I think six four is ideal, you know, six minimum six four is ideal. Yes. Give me at least 33 inch arms, at least. Yep. It, you know, but what's the shortest tackle size I'd be comfortable with? I think you nailed it, Ryan. Depends on the player. Because okay. at the end of the day, I care more about can you get the job done at a high level than I than I care about do you have the measurables. And then you have that weird unicorn like Liam Mike or like Josh Lug who has all the size you want in a tackle, except his arm length is like little tiny midget, like you know, uh he's a guard he's a T-Rex. Arms, you know, yeah, he's a T-Rex. Yeah. 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 I still love that kid, though. He's a really good kid. Josh is one of the favorite kids I, I, I've covered. Just a really, really nice young man. Really like that kid. Really All like through that adversity, kid. man. Throw through a lot of adversity. So yep, I always respect those type of kids. Yep, absolutely. And we got a question from John Murray. John's question. Good day, IB. Good day, John. Great day yes. to be Irish. Yes, it is. Agreed. Literally, I'm Irish every day, but today's <laughs> one of those great ones. Yeah. Mailbag, is Ryan Barnes still on the team? If so, at cornerback or safety? He is still on the team, and he is a corner. Could he move to safety? Sure. I just think right now they're just trying to get him comfortable at corner. Uh, if there's going to be a move it to safety, I still will say, and I will take this to my grave, it needs to be Clarence Lewis. But I just don't know if that's going to happen right now. From Peter Connolly, any concern about Justin Scott's quickness? Nope. I don't have any concerns. Yeah. Of Justin no. Scott's quickness. I mean, again, for what you're asking him to do, no, Justin yeah. Scott's plenty athletic, in my opinion. I, I also think that his 
I don't think that Justin Scott is technically advanced as a football player. So like, I think honestly, Peter for like truly answering the question, I think that I don't think there's a stiffness to Justin Scott for the position he plays or anything. I don't think there's a bad change of direction. I just think sometimes he plays a little bit high because he's just not the most technically refined kid of all time, but I have no question about Justin Scott from a physical perspective, man. He's six, four plus he's 300 plus pounds, has good length. He's explosive for the position. So no, I don't have any concerns. I just think more it's more about like the technical refinements that will make him look a little more quicker, right? A little quicker. Yep, absolutely. Let's get to uh, some more. From Brandon Plesner. Knapp said when he got his first Division One offer, he was 212 pounds. He's now 268 pounds. Do you have concerns about him being able to add even more weight to his frame in order to play at the next level? I don't because of the way he looks at 268 pounds. He looks thin. I mean, he he, look he looks thin. he does. In, well, I shouldn't say thin. He looks. I mean, he's got good good shoulder width. I think. And if his arm length is what they say it is, I'll say this: if looking at his film, and this is why. So why do you have the combine? The film doesn't lie. This is exactly why you have combines. Because I don't know about this guy's length. He seems to get the job done, but I mean, is it going to project to the next level? Because I can see a guy in college with 31 and a half inch arms and say, this guy gets the job done. But I know for a fact, when he gets the NFL and he's playing against the best of the best, he's not going to be able to play tackle with 31 and a half inch arms, most likely. Those guys are unicorns. So I need to know that. So I watch a kid, I'm saying, well, he doesn't look like he has real long arms, but he's getting the job done. I mean, you watch the film and you're like, he's a handsy player. I mean, but then you say, okay, 34 inch arms. All right, cool. That, that checks the box for me. And, and so when I look at, and that also to me, if that's what his arms are, that makes me think his, his shoulders are a little bit wider than maybe I thought watching a far away film uh, coming in. So, but he doesn't have bad weight. He doesn't look no. stiff. Here's Brandon. Here's where you get concerned about a kid who makes a big weight jump. Does he look tight or does he have bad weight in his core? Because a kid, if if a kid has if a kid makes a forty pound jump in weight and you can notice it in his midsection, that's a problem. Now, if you see his booty gets bigger, and I'm not trying to be strange, but like that's where a good weight is going to come from. If you're really good at squats and doing all those things, your butt area down to your thigh is going to get thick, and that's where you want a guy to be. Your calves are going to get bigger. Your chest is going to get out. So, for example, we've seen pictures of Sam Pendleton. And there's some pictures of Sam Pendleton during one of his visits where he's got like a like a striped shirt on and he's he's doing like this fun, you know, thing with Sylvan Absher and Monroe Freeling. And you can see even with the shirt untucked, you can still see uh, Sylvan Absher has a little he's got a gut, right? And so you can see it. He's my my wife and I love watching Kung Fu Panda together. We watched it uh, a week or two ago, and there's a scene in there where he's like, you know what? sensitive in the flabby parts right like sam had a lot of flabby parts and then you i interview him was it a couple weeks back when we had a chance to sit down with the freshman and i said to him i said dude you do not look the same like you look different you could see it like his gut was smaller his chest was out you could see like he was filling out his pants a little bit more like because you're sizing these guys up and you can see his like shoulders were a little thicker. His his lats were getting bigger. Looked like a completely different guy. He'd reshaped himself that quickly. We have a little intel about Sam Pendleton on, on our board, by the way, as well. And so when you see a guy put weight on and, and he's, he's kind of growing in those areas, you say, okay, this is good. This guy's going to be able to maintain that. You don't want to see the bad weight put on the hips, like the love handle area, the stomach. 
you don't want to see the chest kind of getting puffy. You want to see it defined. And when I look at, at Anthony Knapp from what I've seen so far, I don't see those things that would cause me to have red flags. And we saw that from Joe Walt. As Joe Walt went from like 240 to 260 to 270, 280, he was just filling out naturally. It wasn't like he he pushed a bunch of bad weight on to make weight. And I think that's the thing that uh, makes me feel he can at least get to 280, 285, no problem. The question I now then have is, okay, can he get past that and maintain his quickness and athleticism. That's the question. And so we'll we'll find out if he can do that. And that's that's a question for every kid that shows up 260 or 265. Uh, you know, yeah. but again, he's still a junior though. He's a he, he's further along frame-wise right now than what Emil Wagner was as a junior. Yeah. I'll say that. So I'm not overly concerned about it. It's just can he the weight will get there. With Amir Emil, I don't know if the weight will get there. Right. I mean, if he's got the way to naturally get to that weight with nap, I have no problem. The question is, can he maintain his athleticism to get there? That's yeah. going to be a different question. It's a great question. All right. Here's the next question that we have here, Ryan. This is a good one here from Archer, uh, our resident Ohio State fan, Archer 452. His question is, what Notre Dame football all time record holder is the most surprising? That's an interesting question. To me, it's Archer Denson. Yeah, Archer's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if if you because if you think about all the great running backs at Notre Dame, you know Vegas Ferguson, Alan Pinkett, Jerome Bettis, Reggie Brooks. You say, wait a minute, hold on. Archie Denson's the all-time leading rusher. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. You know, I, I, so I, I, uh, I think yeah. someone put in the chat that Jerome Bettis isn't even top ten all time. I think at Notre Dame or something like yeah. that, which is pretty wild to think about. Yeah. So I love when people tell us that because we don't like something, we don't understand it. Don't you just love that? Like, no, I understand it. I just don't like it. So I'm choosing not to watch it. I I always find that hilarious when people say, well, no, you you don't understand. You know, I understand just fine. It doesn't mean I like it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's a (laughs) comment in the chat about Uh, Brian doesn't understand how baseball has evolved. Yes, I do. It's evolved and I don't like it. Just like basketball has evolved. I know exactly what basketball is now. I just don't like it. I don't like NBA. I don't like the fact that they shoot 87 million three-pointers a year. I get it. It's evolved. I don't like it. Right, I, I don't like that they don't have bigs, traditional bigs anymore. That's the version of basketball I like. So yeah. you got to evolve. The, no, I don't. I like what <laughs> I like, you know. And if, if it's someone I like, I choose to watch something else. Right? Yeah. You asked. I was asked about the about baseball. Right. So I understand it just fine. I just don't like it. It's not that hard. I played baseball my whole life. Trust me. I understand how baseball works. Okay. It's just I don't like it. I like it played this way. It's not being played that way. It's not that hard. It's, fair. it's not that hard. It has nothing to do with understanding. And right, you're entitled to like what you like, and what, yes, and not exactly. like what you don't like. So. Exactly. Yep. So I always find that comical. There was another question here. Here's a, a follow up from from Archer Ryan that I thought was interesting. Yep. Uh, this is a, this is a good question. This question is: Which Notre Dame record feels more unbreakable? Brady Quinn's eleven thousand seven hundred sixty two yards and ninety five touchdowns, or Autry Denson's four thousand three hundred eighteen yards? I think it's Audrey Denson's, right? I mean, okay. state it, it your would, case. I'm very curious it, why you have this feeling. It's a passing era. So if you get a quarterback that comes in and let's say he's a redshirt freshman and he starts for three years and he's a good football player, he's going to be close to those numbers. Like he's going to be close. The, in the Audrey Denson number, Brian, that's a thousand yards per year for a running back in a position that doesn't typically play four years, right? Like right. that's kind of my, if a, if a running back has run for 3000 something yards after three seasons, it's probably going to the NFL, right? Like right. it's most likely going to the NFL. So I think it's just more the passing era 
And like when you're talking about that's like a longevity thing, right? Audrey Denson got that because he played four years at Notre Dame. Yeah. Like that's why he got that number. The only way that Autry Denson's record gets broken, there's two ways, in my opinion. Number one is you have a guy that comes in and starts as a true freshman and is a stud. Yeah. Like stud, 1,500-yard freshman season because you're on the right path, Ryan, and, and, and we're on the same page. I pick Autry Denson's record because – for uh, if a guy stays four years and he starts as a freshman, right? He only needs to average 1,079 and a half yards to get to where Autry was. That's it. It's not that hard because you got to think he may only have like 600 as a freshman. And then, you know, he'll, he'll add more onto that after that, after that kind of thing. Yeah. But the problem is, as you, as you stated, it's running backs don't stay long enough and they just, they just don't. I mean, I honestly thought I, I had matter of fact, right. I didn't on, I just, I had no doubt, no doubt in my mind that Josh Adams was going to break Audrey Denson's record. I had no doubt because he had a, he set the freshman record. He, he I think he was like third all time in, in total yards after his second season. He had uh, over 1,700 yards after two years, and then he comes out and rushes for 1,400 yards. He had 3,200 yards. He needed 1,100-some yards next year. And there's no way Josh Adams is going to go pro. He's not going to get drafted that high. But guess what? He went pro. You know, I mean, yeah. right, and didn't get drafted. So, you know, running backs just they 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 have they get fat bad advice and they just don't stay that long. I mean, a, a guy staying four years as a thousand yard rusher, you know, for at least two of those years, it just doesn't happen anymore. Whereas a quarterback, so so if a guy is gonna be so that's why I say it's gotta be a stud because yeah. to break Autry's record in basically three years, and he has to play as a true freshman, because if he doesn't play as a freshman and he red shirts, his red shirt freshman year and red shirt sophomore year, he's over a thousand yards, he's gone. Kyron Williams, yes. perfect example. This yep. is why I was so dumb to redshirt Kyron. It's like Tony Jones didn't even stay for five years. If there was ever a five-year back at Notre Dame, it was Tony Jones Jr. And he didn't stay for five years. Yep. And so, and that's not a knock on Tony. It's just like, it's like he's just not that dynamic guy that you're like, hey, you know, he didn't like take a ton of carries in his yeah. career. You thought, oh, he's going to go. He's going to stay. And he didn't. And Kyron didn't. Kyron didn't stay for a senior year. So a guy's going to have to average the number I have here, Ryan, is 1,439 yards a year for three years to pass off his record. It's a lot of yards. A quarterback for how, but here's the, there's a greater chance that a guy stays for four years, a quarterback. So let's say that, that you have a guy that stays for four years. You only need to pass for 2941 a year average on average. Right. Which means, you know, let's say a kid, you know, let's say a kid, Ryan comes in as a freshman and he throws for 500 yards in mop-up duty. And then he plays the next three years. He only has to average 37.50, basically, to break Brady's record. A little over 37.50. That's very doable. Yep. Very doable. But like a lot of other positions, that's going to be a little harder to do in four years. So most likely, you hope that a guy can come in and be a three-year starter. But if a guy's a three-year starter, right, he only has to average 3,921 yards a year. Now, that's a lot, but that's very doable in it's, today's era. It's capable. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, even it's to, certainly even, possible. Even to your running back conversation, Brian, Darius Walker was another guy who left early, right? And you're just like, Darius is a good player, man. Like he ran for a thousand yards back to back years. I mean, maybe he had a shot at doing it if he would have went back, but running backs just don't do that, man. Like just don't do And it's more of a committee approach, which someone said in the chat, which I agree. I mean, you had two running backs last year that ran for eight and 900 yards. That's going to take some yardage away from one and give it to the other. And it's like that mm-hmm. share concept. So it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be uh 
Yeah, it, it really is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And and he said uh, J.K. Dobbins had 44, 59 yards and threes. Yeah, like I said, a stud. A stud, I mean, that's yeah. Kind of exactly what I said. Unless a guy's a dude that comes in and plays right away. Well, what did J.K. Dobbins do in his career at Notre Dame? You know, he came in and played right away and had a 2,000-yard season. That just doesn't happen at Notre Dame. It's a different type of offense, as you, as you mentioned. J.K. Dobbins rushed for 1,400 yards as a true freshman. Dude, that's exactly Wild, what I'm saying. You got to come in as a true freshman and be a dude. That's what I'm telling I, you. I hope he can stay healhealthy, man. He's had the injury bug early in his bowl really in the NFL? That's a bummer. Really good as a rookie. Then he got hurt last um his second year. And then third year, like he came back at some point, but he still looked kind of banged up. Like I hope he's able to stay healthy, man, because he's really yeah. good if if he can. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, man, I, I thought one of the mistakes Ohio State made in the in the playoff game against Clemson in 19 was they went away from JK in the second half. Yeah. That's one of the mistakes I thought that they made in that particular game. Let's get to some more questions here, Mr. Roberts. Uh, Here's one. I'll read this Ryan, cause this is for okay. you. So I'll set you up for this one. And Benjamin McCarchy says, Ryan, I'm really interested to get your take on who will be drafted first in the NFL draft and who you take regardless of the team picking so this is this is kind of twofold right who do you think will get taken based on what you know and what you've been told and all that and then who you would take with the number one overall pick basically who's the best player in the draft is the second question yeah i mean i think for me carolina's in a situation that you traded up to get a quarterback right so i mean that's where the where the piece is going to come from i believe benjamin just kind of tea leaves and just understanding of things. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be one of CJ Stroud or Bryce young. Like I think that those are the guys that are going to demand that first overall selection, the media and everybody has kind of convinced themselves due to Josh McCown, making a YouTube video and being at a pro day that it's, it's definitely CJ Stroud. I'm not all the way there on it yet. I'm not. Cause we see that deception happen every single year. Like it's just, you, it's hard to read sometimes. But I think it's going to be CJ or Bryce. I would pick Bryce personally. I would. I, I've been on board on that one. I think that if you are comfortable with the heights and the size profile, and it's a talking point for sure, and it will always be one, then I think that he is the better overall football player in this draft. So mm-hmm. quarterback position, I would take Bryce over CJ. But regardless, I think it's going to be CJ or Bryce. And honestly, man, I think both can be very good quarterbacks in the NFL. So I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer. It's about preference at that point. Yeah. Uh, so did you answer who the best is? I think Bryce is. Uh, Bryce would be You think side. Bryce is? Yeah. Like, do you I mean, think best, he is? Best the, overall player in the class That's yeah, going to be my question, yeah. Best overall player in the class, regardless of off-the-field stuff, in my opinion, is Jalen Carter. I think he is the okay. best player in this class out of Georgia. I think Will Anderson's a very close second. I think those okay. are the two blue chip that was, kids. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to ask. So I, I if just, you took positional value, because like you said, I think your point is right on. Like I'd probably take Bryce, you know, because you're you're adding positional value of a quarterback. I get that. It yeah. makes total sense. I just was curious yeah. who your top guy. Like if you're just doing a board yeah. of hey, here's the 50 best guys, who would be your it, number one? It, it would be Jalen, because I mean, again, Jalen's got the off the field stuff that he still has to answer and, and whatnot. I just think he's the most rare football player that's in this class right now. I mean, Will Anderson's exceptional, right? But he still has some things that you have questions on, you know, as far as he's not the biggest edge of the world. He still needs to be a little bit more nuanced as a pass rusher, but he's very, very good. There's no doubt. Jalen Carter is a dude that's like four-man front, three-man front. 
I don't care, man. Just put him out there and just let him eat. So I think that's just all he has to do. Like he's just such a good football player, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, (laughs) I just laugh at the stuff about the kid from Texas tech being better than Will Anderson. It's just like, you guys are going to, you guys are going to like think you're talk yourself into a dumb decision. In my opinion, I'm telling you right now. And I've been saying this on podcasts recently, Brian, over the last couple of weeks, just don't be shocked, and this is for everyone out there. Don't be shocked if Tyree Wilson's the first defensive player off the board. Yeah. Just don't be shocked when it happens. Don't be shocked. Because people are going to talk themselves into something dumb, in my opinion. Right? And he fits the profile. He's got long right. arms and blah, well, blah, blah. The Actually. worst thing that, that Will Anderson ever did was have a season like he had in 2021 when he wasn't draft eligible. That's the worst thing he could have done. Because there was no way, no way he's going to live up to that. Like He had a down year. With 17 <laughs> tackles for loss and 10 sacks and 12 quarterback hurts. So wild, man. So That's his wild. down year. But I'm supposed to believe a dude that never had more than seven and a half sacks in a season is better than Will Anderson. Yep. Come on, man. It, it's like, I, all I have to say is, man, is that production isn't everything when you evaluate to the NFL, but a guy that just had 34. Well, it matters, right? That's my point. Is the guy had 34 sacks at Alabama and the SEC in three seasons. Like right. That matters, man. That matters. He yeah. was a dude from the second he stepped on campus, and that matters. Yep. yep, it is what it is, man. Here's one from Coach Koch. Thank you, Coach. Coach says, love the football team showing up for the lacrosse game. Lots of good crossover with those sports. Do y'all follow Notre Dame lacrosse? Wonderful sport, and you should give it a chance. I have thought about that a lot. Ryan, I have watched very little lacrosse. I have to admit, I had a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth about lacrosse because the school I went to uh, that I transferred to my second year, Salisbury University was a big lacrosse school, and I Mm -hmm. just didn't get along very well with the lacrosse players. They were just kind of preppy and just kind of douchey (laughs) and just not my favorite people, to be completely honest with you. Get that. And uh, it's like, yeah, hard pass. So I just never watched it. But I've as I've watched it, the last few years, because you're seeing more and more football players that play lacrosse. A so lot more. Yeah. I'm watching Nolan Ziegler play lacrosse because I'm trying to evaluate him athletically. I'm like, dude, this is a sport. I have respect for how this sport is played. Like the hand-eye coordination you need to have to play that sport at a high level is outstanding. You know, the, the it's a physical sport. You know, I mean, there's the, the, you're wearing pads, right, yes. for a reason. You know, it's uh, you got to be athletic. You got to be in great shape. I have a lot of respect for lacrosse as a sport. I, I just, like I said, I, I had reasons why I chose not to watch it, but as I, I've watched a couple Notre Dame games in recent years in lacrosse, I'm like, this is an intense sport, man. Like, yeah, I tried, I tried playing catch once with uh my nephew. I was, was it him? I mean, somebody else. And I'm like, yo, I'm not very good at this. This is like, this, this takes skill. I'm like, how do you guys do this? I'm like, this ball's going all over the place. I'm trying to throw it straight here and it goes like 75 feet that way. It's like, yeah, this is not easy. So it's a it's a sport I have a lot of respect for. Will I ever kind of follow it? I doubt it. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like hockey. I have a great deal of respect for hockey as a sport. I mean, the skill that you have to have to play the, the game of hockey is, is really tremendous. I just don't know enough about it and just don't learn it. You know, and maybe I should, yeah. but I just – I don't have the time to – because I don't want to watch something I don't know what's happening. You yeah. know, like, okay, ball in net. Yay. But I, I need to understand what's happening to really enjoy it. And I don't just haven't taken the time to do that, but it's a sport sport that oh, what little I know, right. I have a lot of respect for. I was very oblivious to lacrosse because my high school team did not have a boys lacrosse team. So like I right. 
wasn't around it much. Like the girls had a lacrosse team, but like I never really watched it, gave it much of a chance to be honest. I, I agree though. I think that there's a lot of things that are applicable to being a multi-sport guy and or multi-sport person in lacrosse, but I just, I wasn't, I, I didn't have enough information about it when I was mm-hmm. younger to like grow up with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, I didn't never heard of lacrosse as a kid growing up in Ohio. We didn't have lacrosse in Northwest Ohio that I knew of. And then when I went to Virginia beach, it was only the private schools had it. It wasn't at the, yeah. and I went to public school my first two years. And then when I went to a private school, my last two years, it was like a really like kind of a, it's grown now. Like my nieces and nephew go there now and it's got like a building. But we went to, we went to classes in portables. It was a sports. You went there because you either went to the church, the local church, or you were an athlete. Those are the two people went there. And I went there because I was an athlete, right? So we're going to school in portables, yet our basketball team is like beating Mount Zion and taking Oak Hill down to the wire. You know what I mean? Like, you know, our two bigs were both starter, multi-year starters at NC State, you know, Damon Thornton (laughs) and Kenny Inge. So I was there to play sports. And and, uh, so it was like Norfolk Academy, Norfolk Collegiate, like those really preppy kids that like, were not people that I would want to hang out with play lacrosse. And then it was the same way in college, but uh, I, I think it's changing now. I think you're seeing more, it becoming a more popular sport, uh, but it's, it's still one of those ones that it, it's not, it's just the thing about baseball and the thing about basketball and football, Ryan is as a kid, it's cheap to play. Yes. Like not, not playing the sport, like on a team, but like just growing up playing a football, just give me one little tiny, you know, I'd get like a Denver Bronco football for Christmas. It's like this big. And it's like, well, got a new football for street ball. Yeah. Came a basketball. Just give me a ball and a hoop. And there's hoops everywhere. You know, baseball. I mean, yeah, but you play stickball. You play wiffle ball. It's cheap. Like you could play some version of baseball growing up as a kid. Now, if you wanted to play like on a team, that got a little expensive. Sure. But like lacrosse, like that's, I mean, you know, you know, just Ho- some dude's got a ball and you can too, all play. Man. Hockey's another one. That's another yeah, one. Very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Like soccer, just give me a ball in a big field. I can play it. <laughs> you know, like you can put two That's... sticks in the ground for this is where the goals is are. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. you know, so growing up where I grew up, that's those are the sports we played, you know. Oh. And I also like sports you can kind of play by yourself. So like baseball, you can get a net and hit into the net, you know. You can, basketball, it's I can just go out there and, I mean, I've had five on five games by myself growing up as a kid. Like, you know, (laughs) Mill Robinson passes to Glenn Rice, who, you know, throws the alley oop to, you know, Lloyd Vaughn. You can play by yourself, you know. Uh, You can't do that really with, you know, football. You tackle yourself. Parents have you, he needs to see somebody. I think that kid's like falling on the set a few too many times. So here we go. Father David Penny Ryan has a recruiting question here. Question is, are we expecting another visit from Justin Scott in the near future? Maybe the blue gold game? I believe that's being worked on. So whether that's going to happen or not, I believe that's being worked on. I don't, it's one of those ones where I think Justin has talked about doing it, but him talking about doing it and then actually getting down here for that is a different thing. So sure. I do believe it's being worked on. And if it does happen, yes. that's massive, massive yeah. for that recruitment. Absolutely massive. We have a super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you, Charlie, very much for the super chat. And he said, Ryan is cor- correct with growth spurts. Thank you. Dennis Rodman mm-hmm. went from 5'11 to 6'7 between 19 and 20 years old. You never know how crazy genetics can play out. Go ID. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I see that all the time. I mean, like I've said, you see, that's why, like, when you see a guy that goes to northern Iowa, right, Trevor Penning. What was Trevor Penning weighing when he was coming out of high school, Ryan? Do you have any idea? He actually was a little bigger, but mm-hmm. Spencer Brown, who was a third round Spencer pick Brown, the year before, one, yeah. 
He was six foot eight and 220 pounds. That's the and kid he, that I was thinking yes. of because I had yes. heard that story going into the draft yes. of the Northern Iowa kid. So it was Spencer yep. Brown, not Trevor Panning. Panning. Yep. But yep. yeah, it's not that teams missed on him. He just wasn't that guy at that was age. That and you and you see these growth spurts more because like you mentioned Dennis Rodman, right? But that's a taller guy. The guy's going to yep. grow that way. I had a cousin, my cousin David was like maybe five i think i I was told i mean i was too young he always looked tall to me but that's because he's like a decade older than me (laughs) but he had a big growth spurt like his junior senior year high school like after his junior senior high school he grew to like six you know six three or whatever that stuff happens and and kids fill out differently you know i mean joe walsh a monster now but as a junior in high school he was like what 250 pounds yeah you know kyle hamilton had a crazy growth spurt too right didn't kyle hamilton like sophomore yeah like two or three inches is like a freshman or sophomore yeah gotcha yeah but you'll see that stuff no you're right charlie and especially but that's why you see these guys that are unranked coming out of high school and they're because they're like oh they're 240 pounds right Mm -hmm. like i think i saw somewhere the kid that went to iowa i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up i think he was like really undersized when he was coming out ryan i believe was Uh, that iowa yeah the kid yes he was a six foot uh, coming out of Iowa, he was a six, like six two. He was listed like six two two fifty five. Coming out of Iowa, when he, when he, once he gets drafted, he's what like six three, about three hundred. Who are we talking right? about right now? Sorry, Tyler sure. Lindenbaum. Oh, Linderbaum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. Linderbaum. Yeah, yeah, he was he was an undersized defensive tackle at first in his college right. career. So, yep, right. So yeah, guy, guy happens all the time, man. Happens yeah. all the time at that position, especially. Yes. yes. Dude, go to Northern Iowa. I mean, you just mentioned Spencer Brown, but like they have a bunch of dudes that are like that. Ellerson Smith, their defensive end, went from a 6'6, 200 pound linebacker as a freshman to a six foot seven, 265 pound defensive end by the time he was a senior. Yeah. Like, dudes were putting on crazy weight, man. Yeah. Absolute crazy weight. Yeah. Somebody pointed out in the chat, Anthony Davis. I mean, people said, well, why? He's a skilled big man. Yeah. Cause he's played guard most of his life. <laughs> Seriously, you know, yeah. he didn't grow until he got a lot older. So that stuff happens all the time. That's why you got to that's why you have people like Matt Bayless that can look at frames and give some level of I mean, you, no one's perfect, but you can give some level of, hey, I think this kid has a chance to be this or you look, this kid looks pretty maxed out. Maxed, maxed out. Yeah, we got a question here from Jay Henry. Jay says, could we see Braylon James become a deep threat like Jalen Hyatt or will Parker use multiple players for that? Well, yeah, I think he can become that guy for sure. I mean, that's the one thing that you and I have always said about him. I don't know if he's going to develop the other skills needed to be a great receiver. You know, is he going to become a great route runner? Is he going to catch the ball consistently? Those type of things. But the one thing I've always felt without question Braylon James is going to be able to do is stretch the field. Yes. That was never a question. Now, could he be an every down receiver? That that we didn't know. Was he going to be Chris Brown or could he become Will Fuller? We, we don't know the answer to that, and that's still to be determined. But the tools are there for him to be absolutely a vertical threat because he not only brings legit home run speed, but he's taller. He's lanky. You know, so he's yeah. six, two and a half. He's got long arms. So he doesn't, you know, sometimes the smaller fast guys, you gotta be a little bit, you know, your, your margin for error is a little bit smaller. Braylon's got those tools. And and for those that are wondering, we had a pretty good update, Ryan. I think it caught you a little bit by surprise, the update yeah. that we had on Braylon James on the board. So just another reason folks, you got to be on the message board. Yes. Gotta be on the message board. Love to hear from All Brandon, right. man, though. Love yes. to hear it. Yes. Yep. Benjamin Karchi uh, has, has a question here, Ryan. Says, Brian, are all the photos that IB uses for the platform taken by your wife? Not all of them, no. So like all the practice ones that we've had so far are taken by my wife. We have a lot of game photos that my wife took, but she couldn't be at all the games last year. 
and she's just one person, so she can't shoot everybody. But uh, yeah, she takes a lot of them. She actually did a lot of f- photography for us when I was at Blue and Gold. She actually had like four or five cover photos for the magazine, so she's got a great eye for that. And uh, but yeah, she takes a lot. So if I were to look at the board or the front page now, uh, the the photo of Nolan Ziegler that we have on the on the page now, she, the the him in the green, she took that. The photo that I have on, on the midweek mailbag last night of Tobias Merriweather, she took that. The Al Golden photo, she took that. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of the photos that are on there now, she took. The photo, what Alex Graham offer story of Mike Micken, she took that. So, yeah, she does a, she's got a great eye. She does have a great eye. So, yeah, she's taking a lot of them, but not all of them. Because, like I said, she can't be at every, she runs her own business. So, she can't be at every practice. She, she isn't at every game uh, as much as I would like for her to be at those. But, yeah, so. She takes a lot of them. She takes a lot of them. I'm hoping the next year we can start putting galleries out on Sundays of, of what she does. But you know, with the problem is she gets home and she'll cut up a few that I need for stories, but then she can't get to right away. Cause you know, her job <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> keeps her busy, but uh, yeah, she does a great job. And um, yeah. So thank you for asking. Thanks for asking. Here's another one from fighting Irish Raiders. Funny Irish Raider says, hey, guys, the fact that Justin Scott hasn't committed to us yet, is it a good or bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing, right? Like, it, So this one, this one is a situation where Justin Scott was close to committing. We all know this story Twice. at this point, right? Twice, yeah. <laughs> we, know, we know this story already if you've been around this channel or on the message board. But he put it, you know, he said, I'm going to kind of take a step back. I'm going to take some visits, all that great stuff. So after the most recent visit, we weren't anticipating Justin Scott to commit there, right? Because he has visits set up to Georgia. He's got a visit set up to Miami, Ohio State. Like he's got a couple officials and then an unofficial, I believe, to Miami set up right now, right? So we knew that this one was going to go into June. It's going to at least go into June. There's going to be a couple of visits that are taken. The big thing, though, is that trying to get Justin Scott back for another visit before he makes his decision. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a big opportunity for Notre Dame. We still feel really good about where Notre Dame is, but you have to close and you have to be able to withstand, obviously, him going to take a look at Georgia and Miami and then Ohio State for an official. Yeah. It's neither. I would agree. It's neither. Because yeah. here's the thing. If, you, if he'd have committed by now, what's to say he wouldn't kind of be like Keon where he wants to look around still? Yep. And then you get into the debates of, well, hey, you know, we have a policy. You knew the policy. We have to stick to the policy, which then creates problems. So um, I think they've handled his recruitment a little bit different. They encouraged him when he was having second thoughts. Man, there's no need for you to commit. You're the one that decided you wanted to commit my now, or he didn't tell you you needed to commit. So yep. if you want to take your time, bro, take your time. We love you. We'll, Justin, we'll take you, man, if you want to commit now or if you want to commit on signing day. We want you no matter what. And that's a good that Marcus Freeman's taking that approach and Chad Bowden. And and I and I gotta say, Ron, I think you guys mentioned this in your recruiting show, uh, which I appreciated you doing. But on the board, I gave a lot of credit to Al Washington, too. I mean, look, Marcus yeah. is doing a great coach Freeman's doing a great job here. Chad Bowden's doing a great job here. But Al Washington has improved his recruiting strategy and effort and focus and doing more of the right thing right now with Justin Scott. And that's factored in as well. That's important. Yeah. It's a very important. So this is the way I've always said it's never personal. I don't have anything against Al Washington whatsoever. In fact, I've heard very good things about him as a human being. But my job is to give honest assessment. Like people get mad, like too hard on the administration. Well, maybe, but I'm telling you facts. I'm not. I'm not telling you just my opinion. I'm always. Ne- I'm telling you things that I know, things that I hear, things that I see. I know what's happening in other schools. 
I know coaches that have left that have told me, even if not big time pros, say we get way more support in this area than Notre Dame gave. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna be honest about that. You can not like it all you want, but we're not gonna lie to you. And we're not gonna just bang on a guy just to bang on a guy. And we're also not gonna praise a guy just because we're Homer fanboys that want that guy to talk to us and give us recruiting intel. We're gonna be honest with you. And Al Washington was not doing the job, but you know what he's doing? He's getting better. He's doing a better job and he's refocusing and that's important. And when you do that, we'll praise you for it. And I'd rather praise him than be critical of him. Same with Al Golden. I have a great deal of respect for Al Golden as a human being. I want him to be successful at Notre Dame. So when he is, I'm going to praise him for it. And from everything I've been told about Al Washington, he's a good dude. I don't know him personally. He's a good dude from what I've been told. But he wasn't doing a good job. Now he's stepping it up. He's doing better, at least with Justin Scott. So that's a good thing. And that helps. Yeah, you hear good things about Justin Scott. I will also say when I talked to Kingston Villamalasa, who is the top priority at linebacker in 2024 for Notre Dame, he spoke a lot about Al Washington, which I thought was yeah. a very good thing because he had a previous relationship at Ohio State. So right. Al Washington's maintained that relationship and been pretty vital in that recruitment as well. And, I mean, if Notre Dame ends up landing Justin Scott in Kingston, like you have to look at Al Washington and be mm-hmm. like, he's get, he gets yeah. two, two pluses on that one, right. man, like for sure. That's right. And that's a big time top hundred dude right there in Kingston. Yes. In my in a yes. year where your linebacker board's not filled with a lot of dudes like him. Yep. So yes, absolutely. And a school that you don't do a lot a lot of good with sometimes. Um, Here's the next question, Ryan. This is a, this is an interesting one here. From Andre Tonsil, who is the best unknown player 2023 in the team? I, I we were asked something similar to this recently, Andre. And yeah. my whole thing is I hope that when you listen to the show enough that there's nobody that's unknown to you. But I look at it a little bit and say, what about the casual fan? The people who don't listen to shows like this all the time or just watch the team and loosely follow the team or outsiders who aren't Notre Dame fans. Yep. I really think it's going to be just Jason Onye. I really do. And I'm going to have something on him in the defensive intel piece. He's a guy that I've heard from things from multiple people about. One of the other uh, I think Prince Collie had a comment about him. Prince Collie, yeah. uh, we've we've heard a lot of good things about what he's doing. He's a guy, Ryan, that I think has a lot of potential. He's a yep. lot of potential. And I think people are going to know about him. He's unknown now, but I don't think that's going to last for a whole lot longer. Yeah, and I think from a national perspective as well, I would say one of the Vipers, you know. I mean, I, I think people might know who Jordan Botello is, but maybe not as much, you know, yeah. like he was kind of seldom used last year, right? Yeah. So I think don't you think like though the casual fan knows about him because of when he signed, he was one of the top defensive recruits in oh, the yeah. class. But and, no, Notre Dame know. fans know Jordan Botello for sure. I'm saying for like a national perspective oh, of you. people that don't follow Notre Dame as much, like it might surprise you, like, oh wow, Jordan Botello is like eight nine sacks this year like wow that's crazy i don't know who that guy is you you know know who that who that won't shock south carolina fans south (laughs) like what non-notre dame people (laughs) south carolina fans yep we saw that one dude had like 10 pressures and two sacks against us in the bowl game yep we're not surprised by that i'm I'm still so upset about uh the people that we get all 22 for from have you noticed that the notre dame bowl game's not in there yeah it's like a little annoyed by that i'm very annoyed by that (laughs) i'm very annoyed by that yeah i want to rewatch that man i want to rewatch that all right, here we go. Here's one from Nathan Milton. Said, how would you compare Gerby Lambert and Charles Jagasaw? Well, They're very different. Yes. I mean, I, I think, all right, here's what they have in common. They're long and they're athletic in different yeah. ways, though, right? Yeah. I think for me, Gerby is 
Gerby's smooth, right? Like he's a really smooth dude. Ronnie Stanley. Yes. Ronnie Stanley. I I think that's a good one. I think it's a good one. He has a developing power profile, but there's a lot of room to grow. Charles Jagasaw has been powerful for multiple years now, right? Like he is a physically imposing dude. Was raw as a junior. I think took a big step as a senior. He plays with great leverage. I mean, he's a wrestler, right? So like that makes a lot more sense. He's a guy that is much more powerful and explosive than Gerby is, though. But Gerby's very smooth, and he's a true blindside protector. Like, Gerby's a left tackle at the next level. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think, you know, they both are lengthy dudes. They both are offensive tackle types. But I think for me, I would say Gerby is more of a smooth, moving type of offensive tackle, while Charles Jagasol is a big, ferocious, explosive offensive tackle. That's a good way to put it. All right, let's get to the next question here from Brandon Plensner. Brandon's question is, would you agree with the Notre Dame staff if they decide to take commitments from both 2025 legacy recruits, James Flanagan and Jerome Bettis Jr.? Yes, but for different reasons. Here's what I mean. For James Flanagan, it's a no-brainer. James Flanagan is legit. If James Flanagan's dad was some dude that worked construction that never played at Notre Dame, I'd say, yeah. I'd take that dude. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, the fact that his dad played at Notre Dame only adds to that. And it's why I'd be willing to take his commitment this early because th- I know the DNA is there and he's already really good. Yeah. With Jerome Bettis Jr., I don't think he's a Notre Dame caliber player today, or at least from what I saw in film of him as a sophomore. But there's twofold. Number one is his dad is a tremendous ambassador of the university and always has been. And number two, I'm betting on the DNA. I am, you know, and it's got a good frame and there's some stuff to work with. So, yeah, I would say yes on both, but for different reasons. One is that guy can play here right now as far as for his, at least for his age, he's ready to be in the class right now. Not that he can play at Notre Dame right now, but like he is a Notre Dame caliber prospect right now. James Flanagan to me, Ryan, again, if his dad was not a Notre Dame, former Notre Dame player, I would take him in this, in this 25 class. Jerome Bettis, I would not. If his if his name was Jerome Jones Jr. and his dad, you know, drove a truck or worked construction or whatever, I'd say, ah, I want to see him at camp. I want to wait a little bit and that kind of thing. Uh, he's got to show me more. But I'm because his dad is Jerome Bettis Jr. I'm I'm banking on the DNA. I'm willing I'm willing to take that chance because you're always going to take flyers. I'd much rather take a flyer on a Jerome Bettis Jr. Than some kid that who I don't have as much knowledge of and background of. So yeah, it's uh, as honest of an opinion as I could possibly give on that one. I'd love to I, be able to tell you, oh, Jerome's legit. He's going to be a great player. I, I wish I could tell you that. Just like I wish you t- could have told you that Rah- Raheem Ismail Jr. was that kind of guy. I would have loved to have had him in Notre Dame. Or, went to Wyoming Jerry, for a reason. Or Jerry Rice Jr. when he went to right. UCLA and he wasn't very good. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, but in this case, I'm I'm hoping that that the the DNA because like I'd have told you the same thing about Bryce Young. I'm taking him because of who his dad was. Come, yeah. but as over the last year, guess what, Ryan? I I would have bet on the DNA a year ago. I told you this. I'm betting on the DNA because I saw the frame and all this. He wasn't a Division One football player at the time. He is now, right? The DNA is kicking in, and now yeah. all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I want Bryce Young now, not because of who his dad is, but because of this guy's projects to have a shot to be a good football player. <laughs> because he's six five, two forty with lot with right. arms and, and yeah, huge yeah. frame. You know, and and now the dad's DNA is why that's the case. But the point is, if you'd have bet on the DNA a year ago, that bet's starting to pay off now. 
Yep. And I'd say the same thing with Jerome Bettis Jr. at this point in time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think we see him very similarly, man. I think James Flanagan is right near the top of the tight end board as far as the talents in the 2025 class, right? Like we mentioned it already, like the Elias Williams kid is incredibly talented. Ethan Barbour is very talented. Ryan Gee is a kid that's going to be on campus that's a different type, but he's also talented. There's a lot of talented tight ends, but I think James Flanagan is right near the top at that conversation point. Jerome is a guy that I want to see more from, 100%. Like, I want to see what he looks like. He moved from – he was at Westminster School last year. He's going to be at Woodward Academy this year for in Georgia. I want to see what Jerome Bettis looks like as a junior. I want to see it, right? right? Like, for, for me as a person that watches film and, you know, wants to see kind of what if he takes the next step, I think he's got tools, like you said. I mean, 6'2", 175. He's got pretty decent length. But just want to see more, man. Just want to see right. more. Let's get to some more here, Ryan. Here's some good questions. Here's one from Rob Thidoff. Thank you, Rob. Rob's question is, if Jose Rio doesn't battle injuries his entire his whole career, is he a Hall of Famer? His 1990 World Series MVP performance was one for the books, in my opinion. Yeah, his World Series performance was phenomenal, right? And the fact that he missed like six years and came back and pitched tells you the guy was a pretty good player. But I don't know if I'd say that he was a I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough one. I'd say probably not. I mean, he had some good years. I mean, the, the year in 1990 he had a 2.7 ERA, pitched 197 innings. It's hard to say. He was, but he was never as good, Ryan, in the in the regular season as he was that year in the postseason. Right. You know what I mean? Like he he just went against the A's and was just absolutely tremendous. He didn't pitch that well against the Pirates, though. Right? I mean, he pitched two games against the Pirates and had a 4-3 DRA. He got roughed up in one of the games against the Pirates. And then he went 1-0, but one of the games against the Pirates, they roughed him up a little bit. He was absolutely brilliant against the A's. I don't think he was ever that guy. I think he'd have been very similar to Jack Morris, maybe a little bit better ERA, not as dominant from a strikeout standpoint. You know, Jack Morris, the debate on him is, yeah, he was one of the best postseason pitchers of all time, but he just wasn't a great regular season pitcher. Yeah. You know, and so uh, – I don't know. It's a good question, Rob. I think he would at least be having a – I'd love to have find, found out. That's I'll tell you that right now. But, you know, he went through a stretch of about, about four or five years where Jose had a sub-3 ERA in an era where, you know, I mean, you, you had some guys that way, but you didn't have a ton. I mean, it wasn't like – it wasn't like a dead ball era per se. Right. So, yeah, he, he had some good stuff, man. When he, he But that was the maddening thing about Jose growing up is when he was on, he was filthy. Then you'd be like, dude, you know, third inning, 
you know, so he was a little bit maddening at times, but yeah. Yeah. Injuries. And, you know, back then injuries were just so devastating for pitchers, you know, what they are now, but yeah, he, that Reds pitching staff in 1990 was so unique. They had uh, Tom Browning was on that staff. You had Danny Jackson was on that staff. And then Jack Armstrong like came out of nowhere that year. I think he won like 17 or 18 games or something like that that year. So um, I think that was the year he did that. Am I wrong on that? Or was that the year before? Let me look this up here real quick. Give me a second, Ryan, because now it's going to bother me. No, Jack Armstrong didn't do it that year. I think it might have been the year before. Let me look that up. No, that was the year he had, had double-digit wins. And then Danny Jackson um, was on that Reds team, and he wasn't great that year. But the year before, he was nasty uh, with for for uh, the Reds. So, or two years before, so he was he was injured a lot the year they won the World Series. But two years before, I think he was runner up to Earl Horsheiser for the Cy Young. Had a great year, but that bullpen that that year was that was the, the Nasty Boys. That was a fun team. Something called team. It? Nasty that, boys. That's their nickname is Rob Dibble, Norm Charlton, and Randy Myers. They're called the Nasty Boys. Nice. Yeah, and they threw gas. They threw gas. I remember and, I remember Dibble. I remember yeah. Dibble. Yeah. Yeah. He was the least of the lowest, probably lowest of the three, but he threw hard. Yes, he did. He was a big meathead too. You know, but uh he, there there was a show called Pros versus Joe's, and I remember Rob Dibble came on it once a couple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting yeah. guy. Still trying to throw gas at guys and stuff. Yeah. Very interesting guy. <laughs> All right, here's a question from Tyler Smith. Tyler's question is, name your top five best special teams players from Notre Dame you have witnessed. Special teams players, wow. Well, Rocket's at the top of the list. I mean, yeah, Rocket's got to be there. Uh, Alan Rossum was a pretty darn good special teams player uh, when he was there. So if we're talking special teams, um, Justin Yoon was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Craig Hentrick was, was outstanding. He was very good. And John was John Carney was before my time, right? Before my time, and he was on the early loop teams, I believe. Yeah, um, let me see here. Let's, um, trying to who, who, I mean, you know, Joey Gatherall, I think about you know him being in that conversation, but you know, uh, as as far as coverage units, Matthias Farley was really good, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a very good special teams guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. George Atkinson had some big returns, but he was inconsistent. Tommy, uh, Frank McCatry, LSU fan. Tommy Zibikowski is a punt returner. That's a yeah, good one. That's, that's a really good, good one. one. That's yes. a really good one. Tommy was a really good, and Tommy did had clutch returns too. Like he had the big one against USC. So yeah. that's a good one, Frank. That's a good one. Um, Zibby's a good one. Zibby's a really good yeah, one. Yeah, I'd probably put him probably over Joey Gatherall. To be completely honest with you, I, I probably would. He was pretty good. Um, here's a guy that we don't we didn't, we should you know in the conversation, but. Uh, Oh, what was the guy's name? He punted for the Colts for a long time. Oh, um, I, I, Hunter Smith. Hunter Smith. Yeah. Now, funny thing is, Hunter Smith was a really good football player. Ryan coming out of high school, he was like a legit, like not that he could have played at Notre Dame, but like in high school, he played like I think he played like wide receiver or something like that. Like he was a legit football player. He was kind of yeah. like Jay Bramlett. Remember how Jay Bramlett was the starting quarterback for his high school football team? Yeah. Hunter Smith was like that coming out of Texas. He was a good dude. He was a good player. Let's go play. He was really good. Dude, he was in yeah. the NFL forever, man. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said Tim Brown. Tim Brown, I don't really rem- – I've said this before. I don't really remember Tim Brown at Notre yeah. Dame as much. I remember his high school Heisman season, but I don't remember, like, watching him. Yeah. So that's why he's not on there for me. And Golden Tate had a couple big returns, but he wasn't consistent as a, as a yeah. return man. Justin Ewan's a good one, man. Got to give Ewan some love in that I think he was the first kicker that I mentioned, I believe, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm so, just saying. Yeah. yeah. He was so money. So he was funny. very, very consistent too, man. Yeah. Very consistent. That, that's the group. That's the group. 
That's a good question. Good question. Oh wait, wait, we didn't say any long snappers though, man. We gotta. I mean, we gotta throw the long snappers. A I mean, problems, JJ right? Jance has played in the NFL for yes. like twenty years. Exactly. I'll tell you something right now. He doesn't get talked about a lot, but Michael Vinson is probably the most consistent long snapper. I, I don't remember JJ Jansen. I mean, I I, yeah. I followed the team then, but I didn't pay attention to long snappers. Notre Dame's had some good long snappers in the last 10 years. John Shannon was a good long snapper. Scott Daly was a good long snapper. Michael yeah. Vinson, to me, is the best snapper they've had in the last decade. How does he stack up against guys before? I don't know. I didn't pay attention to long snapping <laughs> until I started covering the team. But since I started covering Notre Dame in 2010, he's the best long snapper they've had. I mean, he, he yeah. gets zip. He's accurate. He can run down the field. He's a good, good long snapper, sh- short and long snapper. He's I sort of say snapper because he does both. Yes. Uh, he's really good. He's really good. So he, he if you're going to pick, like if you had to pick, like, okay, you could pick a kick returner. Here'd be the fun thing, Ryan. You, you can pick pick five, but you can only pick one kicker, one punter, one kick returner, one, pu- one uh, punt returner, and one snapper. My mm-hmm. snapper's Vincent. My kicker's probably Justin Yoon. My punt returner. I'd have to go with – I'd probably go with Zibby. Yeah. And then um, you know who else is a great punt returner at Notre Dame? Ricky Waters. Yeah. Probably go with Zibby, and then my kick returner, that's a no-brainer. It's Rocket. You could easily go with Rocket as your punt returner too, but I'm just trying to pick somebody different. Yeah. But I'd go with Zibby or Ricky Waters as my punt returner because Ricky had a huge punt return for a touchdown against Michigan in 88 to help win that game. It was a close, low-scoring game. But I'd go with Zibby and then uh, – That'd be my five, Ryan. Be my five. Well, your five, since you didn't really know, like, no Rollum, uh, Rocket. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would probably go George Atkinson as my kick returner, just because I haven't seen a ton of great kick returners in my lifetime. Like that, I C.J. Sanders was pretty good. He was good. Yeah, Yeah. I suppose I'd probably still go George Zibby's and easy. I think C.J. finished second all time behind Rocket and most kick kick plus punt returns for touchdowns in his career. I think he's second Rocket all time. Yeah. He just he had some of them on some that really crap 2016 team. That's a problem. Yeah, true. So true. people forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Vince Vincent or Daly was really good too. Yeah. I like I like Scott Daly. So I mean either one there. And then uh give me Matthias Farley and all my coverage units, man. Okay. And we're we're there you go. cooking with grease there. There you go. Yep, there you go. All right, let's get to the next one here, Ryan. We got one from C Watson nine. His question is actually sorry. Their comment is just want to say I love watching the show. Got you a guys question do... coming up. A couple of questions coming up, but I wanted to gotcha. get this up. For, sorry, Ryan. I did. I should no, you're fine for that. No, you're good. Just want to say I love watching the show. You guys do an amazing job, and I so love the Fighting Irish and love Notre Dame lacrosse. Keep up, awesome job, guys. Go Irish. You as well. And here Thank the question is: Yes, question from C Watson five. Who will be the starting tight end this year for the Irish? Uh, Mitchell Evans. Mitchell Evans. Yeah, yep. most likely. But I could see Holden Stace pushing him. I could. I hope so. I it's going to so. be one of those things where, you know, Mitchell, I think, could have a really good year. And I think Holden Stace pushing him could be a re- a thing that sparks him to be even better. I, competition, yes. folks, in football and all sports is a great thing. And Agreed. and Mitchell's going to work hard. But when you've got to work hard and you know a dude is breathing down your neck, it just makes you push even harder and focusing even harder every single day, which makes you a better player. We had a little, a little nugget about the quarterback position and the, the, uh, the Intel piece about that, Ryan, that factored into that. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a very, very big thing. And next question is what Notre Dame's team looks much bigger this year. Do you agree? Do you guys agree? Yes. 
I mean, Ryan, we're complaining about the size of the defensive tackles, and now it's like other than like Donovan Heinish and Howard Crossing, everyone's over 290 pounds now. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's it just like – It feel like you like blinked your eye and it happened yeah. too, well, right? Because what it's happened like, is a lot of those, you know, freshmen went to become sophomores and sophomores became juniors and that weight's coming on. Yep. Uh, they, You know, Javante Jean-Baptiste adds a lot of length at that position. Your offensive line's blowing up. You're, you, you know, we talked about this. There wasn't a lot of size at receiver last year. Yeah, early on, you know, two years ago, you had Kevin, you had Kevin Austin, and then not a lot of size after that. Now you you got Dion, you've got Tobias, you've got Caleb Smith, you've got Jaden Thomas, you've got Braylon James, you've got, you know, now all of a sudden Jaden Greathouse is small at six one two thirteen. He'd have been your oh, second biggest guy two years ago behind Kevin Austin. I mean, talk you about what the talk about the corners that you have now too, yeah. man. They're all you're massive. You're huge at running, like your your small running back is of your top two is Logan Diggs at two fourteen. He's your small yes. guy. Yeah. You know, uh, linebacker they're not real big. Uh, safety they're not real big, but everywhere else, man, they've got really good size. Like you said, great yeah. length at corner. Yes. So yeah, I think they're they're definitely bigger. Or de- it's good big too. Like Kane Madden had good weight, but he wasn't like he wasn't very tall. He wasn't long, you know. Yeah. But it, they're, they're, I, I would say that's an accurate observation. See Watson, there's I would definitely agree with that. I feel like they're more definitely athletic agree. too than a couple years ago. Oh, too, there's man. no doubt. Like, like yeah, it's look, yeah. man. I, I there's a reason that we're excited for the season coming up, right? It's the fact that yeah. there's more size and there's more speed, there's more athleticism. Like it's yeah, it's, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I, you know, to me, Ryan, I've said this before. I'm going to go on record and say it. This has a chance. I mean, just right now, I believe this is Notre Dame's deepest and most athletic team since 2015. Right now, will it be 2015 level? We'll find out. I think there's more athletes on this team, but the, the, but what we don't know is if there's the really star elite athletes like a Will Fuller, like a Jalen Smith. Yeah. That, that, you know, like a CJ Procise. Do they have that? We're going to find out. And, it, find and what, out. whether the windows match up, right? Like you have a yeah. six-year quarterback, but like, are the receivers ready? Are the running backs? Right. I mean, do they take it to the next level? Like there's just right. windows matching up that I think is the biggest question for me, but it's exciting, yeah. man. A lot of talent. Yeah, it, They have a chance to be that. Now, as I said on Bill King show today, can they play football? We're going to find out. Exactly. Right, because there's a difference between being really athletic and being a really good football team. We're gonna find out if they're a good, really good football team. That remains to be seen. I'm optimistic. I'm. I was. You know, Vince and I went for a drive yesterday and, and went and got dinner. And I said to him, I said, I said, man, I'm having a hard time trying to be op- like cautious, like cautious about this team. Um, and he was yeah. like, dude, I'm I'm trying to be so. So I'm trying not to get fired up right now. You know, we're trying to just be. You know, and he's like, but it's hard, man. Every time we see this team in person, we see kind of man. Like when you see Braylon James catching balls, I gets a couple little clips out of context from a practice, but it's just like that's the talent that we saw, right? Like that's the yeah. elite skill that we saw uh, in high school, and and then you're like, man, boy, if this guy can, you know, but they didn't have a Braylon James on last year's team, right? Yeah. I mean, he's different. Tobias is different than, than Braylon. They're completely different type of players, in my opinion. So you get a guy like that, man, and it's whew, boy, yeah, yeah, it's um. It's fun to see, man. It's really fun to see. So we got a couple more here, Ryan. So let's get down to uh, this question right here from Jason Rose. It's a good one. His question is, hey, guys, what are your predictions for the quarterback battle at Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio States? So we're predicting winners of these outcomes? Yeah, Texas, I would say Quinn Ewers. I would say Quinn to start the year at least. Yes, I agree. Bama? I actually think it might be – 
It might be Jalen Milrow, man. I don't know. I, I don't if know. Tommy Reese gets to determine who the starter is. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> I take but, back. No, no, I but I'm going to say, no, 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 hold on. Cause I'm, I don't know that he will. You know, I mean, I don't know if, if Nick Saban's going to say, no, Jalen's going to be our starter, or if Tommy gets to pick his guy. I got to think if Tommy gets to pick his guy, it's going to be Ty Simpson. That's if true. If he doesn't, then you know, maybe Jalen Milroy has a chance. But I, I, it's either going to be, to me, my prediction is it's either going to be Ty Simpson or a transfer. Interesting. Like a post-spring transfer. Hmm. You know what I mean? That would be my. That would be my my guess, which is also partly why I'm not super thrilled about Alabama's season. If it's one of those two guys, they're not going to be on the same level at quarterback as a lot of other top teams. And this is part of the th- reason I say, if you're talking to me about 2024, stop. Yeah, Like the 24 season, stop. Because Bama's going to have maybe Ty Simpson or Jalen Milroy, and Georgia's probably going to have Carson Beck. Yeah, I think He's a nice Beck. player, yeah. Yeah. but – that's not a guy that, oh my gosh, I don't know if you can beat him with that team. That's not yeah. Tua. That's not Trevor Lawrence. That's not Kyler Murray. That's not Joe Burrow. That's not those guys. Solid quarterbacks, but not those guys. Agree. What are your thoughts on Georgia, Ryan? I think it's Carson Beck. Yeah. I think yeah. he's the he's the oldest guy in the room, if I'm correct, right? Because they had Brock Vandergriff so, yeah. that came in, and then I forget the other kid's name that's a little bit Gunner yeah. Stockton, right? Right. So, he's a fr- he's gonna be a freshman yeah. this year, right? Isn't wasn't Gunner in the I, 23 class? I think he was in 22. I think he's a redshirt freshman. 22 class? Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. So I think that it will probably be Carson Beck just because of the experience. And they hired Mike Bobo that was already on the staff. So, like, experience matters in that type right. of situation, in my opinion. So, And I think I think Beck is going to be the guy that makes the least decision, least mistakes, excuse me, yeah. as the veteran, and that's going to matter. Vandergriff is, is always a little overrated to me. Nice quarterback, yeah. but always a little overrated to me. Um Stockton is just a different type of kid. I mean, Stockton's kind of a run throw type. He's like their version of Tyler Buckner. Yeah. You know, a little bit, you know, and I don't know how well that fits into what they do. But he if I had to say who's going to pull off an upset, I'd probably put money on Gunner before I would Vandergriff, to be completely honest with you. That's because at least you could say he why is he going to win the job? Because he brings that different element that maybe they think that they need. Hey, right. we're not sure if we're going to be dynamic enough here or there in the run game or whatever to be good. I know that Kendall Milton, I think is what I saw the other day. He's hurt again. So they may say, Hey, you know, we need to have a guy that can make some plays with his legs. Oh, if that's your guy you want, then you're going to, you're going to run with Gunnar Stockton. If they need a guy that, Hey, I just need you to manage the offense then I think it's going to be Carson Beck. Then the last one is going to be Ohio state. I think it's Devin. I think it's going to be Devin Brown. I really think it's going to be Kyle McCord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be Kyle McCord. Yeah, he's I, I think it probably. I think it me. probably should be Kyle McCord, but I just I hear that Ohio State loves yeah. Devin Brown, man. So we'll see. Yep, I it, if if it's Devin Brown, I'm a lot less concerned about Ohio State than I am if it's Kyle McCord. I'll just put to yeah. you put it to you like that. I'll just put it to you like that. I would much rather face Devin Brown in 2023 than Kyle McCord. So I hope you're right in that instance, Ryan. I definitely hope you're right on that. So. But like this is my thing though. Like two, two, three of those teams are national title or assumed national title contenders. Yep. I wouldn't take any of those teams' quarterbacks over Notre Dame's one, two right now. Not one, not one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, and I, I bet you, bet, be willing to bet you if you get Tommy Reese in an honest moment, he'd say, "I wish I could trade my two quarterbacks for the two that I brought into Notre Dame." It's true. Be yeah. willing to bet you a lot of money, he'd say that if he was allowed to be honest about it. I believe you it. know you don't think he trade Ty Simpson and Jalen Milroy for Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner? He'd do it in I a think, heartbeat. I think he would, in my yes. opinion, a heartbeat. So uh, I wouldn't trade him for Carson; those two for Carson Beck and whoever you view as the number two 
at Georgia. The only actually the only two that I would consider is um would be the two at Ohio State, to be honest with you. I really I'm very high on Kyle McCord, very high on him. The Texas kids, it's and it's it's uh Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, and Arch Manning, right? Those are the yes. three in that competition. Yeah, I've told you before, they're good players. I think I think Arch and Ewers are both overrated, in my opinion. And they don't have the experience like a Sam Hartman has. Now, if we're just talking God given ability, who has the highest draft pick potential? Sure, okay, fine. We'll take Texas. Call them, yeah, yeah, but, probably. That, but right now for 2023, it's it's not. It would not be. How would you rank those quarterback rooms, Ryan? One to four. Those quarterback rooms, just based upon 2023, or just overall talents? It's a little uh, just based on going for this season, just for this season. Man, I guess Ohio State. You, you'd won. go Texas number one, just God given ability, right? Just yes. all talent. Yeah, same. Here. I, I I'd probably go Ohio State one, Texas two, Bama three, Georgia four. Okay. Yeah, I'd go. I'd put Bama four. I'm not a big Ty okay. Simpson fan. I actually like Carson Beck. He's a nice, good, soft. He's a Jake Fromm type of guy, Ryan. I mean, that's what I think Carson Beck can be. You know, that's a good quarterback. Yeah. You know, and and uh, you know, I like hey, they went to they went to a national championship that's right. with, with that's Jake right. Fromm. So as a yeah. true freshman, came into Notre yeah. Dame Stadium and beat Notre Dame in his first career start. So he did. Um, you know, I think that's what Carson Beck can can be. I just don't know if he's a difference maker kind of guy. I. If I'm going for 2023, I'd still probably put Texas number one because the one thing that Quinn Ewers has that none of the other quarterbacks we're talking about have is experience. True. He went through a whole season as a starter, and then now you've got two very talented players in Murphy and and Murphy and Arch Manning. Yep. I I think that makes sense, man. I I would say for me, like – it also – I mean, it doesn't hurt that Texas has Steve Sarkeesian as well. Ohio State has Ryan Day. So, like, a couple of these quarterback rooms are in pretty good situations, right? Like, yeah. we have to see, obviously, what Tommy does with Bama yeah. and what Mike Bobo does with Georgia. But, you know, so yeah. there's a couple outliers – or not outliers, but a couple question marks with offensive coordinators. But the Texas room is going to be under a pretty dang good yeah. offensive coordinator, and so is Ohio State. So I'll say this. Here's my final answer. Texas yeah. one. If Kyle McCord starts, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Bama four. If Devin Brown starts, it's Texas, Georgia, Ohio State, Bama. Interesting. Where would you rank Notre Dame in that group? They'd be number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for twenty twenty three, that's like why no, I'm yeah. not wanting to talk about twenty twenty four. That yes. right there. The last yeah. two comments. This is the most athletic team we've seen from Notre Dame in a long time, and they're they're they've got one of the best quarterback rooms in college football, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, Sa- Sam Harmon's the best college quarterback on that list by a landslide right, right now. Like he's the one right. that's actually played a lot. So right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. Yeah. He's a guy that we were talking earlier about Brady Quinn stats. He's a guy that already has a thousand yards more career passing than Brady Quinn had. Yes. Right. And so fifteen more touchdown passes. So, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. Be Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. I really like Kyle McCord, though. I hope Ohio State screws that one up and goes with the the seven on seven passer, which is what Devin Brown is to me. I, I really do think they're going to yeah. do it, man. We'll see. Though. I hope they do, man. I hope you yeah. are right. I am not arguing with you one bit. I hope you are spot on that they go yeah. with Devin Brown over Kyle McCord. Spot on. And I just hope they don't make realize their mistake before the Notre Dame game. That's my that's my hope is that that's the case. Here's one for you, Ryan, that I'll ask. This is from C. Watson, and he says, what round do you see Isaiah Foskey going in the draft? I think he's going to go in the second round. I, I don't think that it's going to be a first-round pick. Like, if he got picked in the 
late twenties, thirties. Like, would I be shocked? No, I'm not. I wouldn't say shocked, but I think second round is probably the sweet spot for Isaiah. He's got all the talent in the world. I think people understand that, but there's still obviously some questions about the, you know, the immediate impact. I think on the next level. So I think second round for Isaiah. I have a hard time, Ryan. When you look at his, I think the combine cemented him being a second round pick for me. Yeah. And here's why I say that: you, there's a lot you can pick apart in this game. You and I have talked about this, but his combination of size slash length, athletic skill, and production is going to, I think, make it hard for him to get past the second round. And this is why teams that win all the time win, because they're smart enough not to take him at 29, but smart enough to make sure they don't pass on him in the 50s or 60s. And that's why those teams win, because they're not willing to – overthink it and say yeah he wasn't he wasn't a good fit for us it was a reach for us at 29 but he's falling to to 52 you know what not only going to take him we're going to trade up five spots and take him and give up a six round pick or something like that to take him and that's why teams like that win all the time is because they 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 properly value those traits and don't overthink the the things that have to be improved to the point where they then convince him he's not around two, but they're smart enough not to take him in round one as well. Yeah. That, that to me is the thing, but I, that's why I saw your guy, Jordan Reed, who we both think does great work. I thought he saw, he had a Foskey like 52, 53 in his latest mock draft. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. That's, that's the one, uh, one thing that ESPN has done well is they gave Jordan Reed a job. Otherwise not too much. (laughs) Cause you're like, look, even when I don't agree with him, Ryan, it's like, I know him well enough to know, and I can hear his points. Like, yeah, he's, I get where he's coming from. It makes sense, even if I don't necessarily agree with his take on a player. And, and you never question if Jordan has actually done the work. And there's some guys that you do question if they've done yes, the work. So, there's no yes. doubt about that. No yeah. doubt about that. And then this is our last question, Ryan. I think this is a very yeah. interesting question. This is from Hulk Strongest. Hulk Strongest question is If Tyler Buckner improves, would you credit uh, Gadouli more or, or Tommy or TB? Tyler Buckner. Or Tyler Buckner just being a dog and his talent coming out. I think three people deserve credit if Tyler Buckner improves this year. And it's Tyler Buckner for putting in the work and having the right attitude. It's Gino Gadouli for helping him to to really refine his game. And it's Tommy Reese. You can't ignore the fact that Tommy Reese helped him improve last year as well. And and I realize that there's some people in this audience that that Tommy Reese sucks at everything and I'm glad he's gone. Okay, that's fine. And there's things that Tommy Reese deserved credit uh, criticism for. I mean, go back and listen to our post game show after Marshall. Right. Go back and listen to our post game show after Cal. Go yeah. listen to our post game show after the Navy game in the second half of the Navy game. Go back. Oh, if you really want to have some fun, go listen to our post game show after Stanford. Oh, right. Yeah. And tell me I don't criticize Tommy Reese enough. But yeah. also, I'm not one of those people that say, "Well, I can never give him credit for anything." This is what we do here, Ryan. I don't care what yeah. your feelings are about a guy. When he deserves praise, he deserves praise. When he deserves criticism, he's going to get criticism. Yep. And the reality is, is Tommy helped Tyler get better. Now, did he get him all the way there? No, he didn't. Which is why Coach Gadouli's going to deserve a lot of credit for that as well, because Tommy got him here, and then mm-hmm. Coach Gadouli's going to get him to the next level. That's yep. part of the development. And then, of course. Tyler's got to stick it out, see it through, have the right attitude, and put into work. And so I think they all get credit for that, in my opinion. It, and and it, Tommy Reese also – and, and if, if, if Tyler Buckner does make massive improvements and becomes that guy, 
Tommy Roos was also the one that got him to campus, right? So, like, Correct. that's another big thing. He was a big, obviously, Correct. a big piece of that recruitment. And, as well. and here's somebody else that deserves a lot of credit Marcus yeah. Freeman. I'm going to tell you why. When Tyler threw that pick six after South Carolina, that could have been a moment where the previous coach would have just verbally, like, gone off like, on him. Yes. Yep. And you saw Marcus from going up to him and be like, hey, man, you're better than that. You know better than that. Hey, this is what you got to do. Don't make the mistake again. Get back out there and go lead us. And then you – because you saw Tyler come off the field really agitated. Yeah. And as he was talking with Freeman, they just both – it was like, just chill out. And then you saw Tyler just kind of – it's almost like you saw the weight of the world get off his shoulders. Like, okay, I'm not about to get my butt chewed out right now. Coach has got my back. Just, dude, just go out there and ball, man. You're my guy. Go out there and ball. And I think that was a, a, a turning point moment for Tyler, in my opinion. Like, hey, coach believes in you, right? Go out there, just go out there and play. And that next series, he looked calm and fine. And, you know, they ran the ball and he made a couple clutch throws, made a huge third down throw to move the chains, made the, I think the touchdown to Mitchell Evans was a third down throw, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. So, uh, and made the plays you needed to make the win a football game. I think that is where a head coach can have a big, big point. Of, in, in how a guy responds like hey did did marcus freeman teach tyler buckner a thing about mechanics no. no no did marcus freeman teach him how to read a defense no did marcus freeman teach him how to be a winner and how to 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 have the right you know quarterback's got to be here all the time did he let tyler know we believe in you yeah he did those things and that's what a head coach is supposed to be so i think you gotta throw marcus freeman in that conversation as well in my that's opinion fair. yeah so uh, I think they all deserve credit for that. But, yes, Gino Gadouli is clearly having an early impact with the quarterback room. I mean, you can't deny that. You can't you can't look at him and say, well, it's just all Tommy Reese's recruiting. No, because they're all better versions of themselves. I mean, even Sam Hartman is better than I thought he was going to be in the way he's throwing them, the consistency, the accuracy. I think Coach Gadouli deserves some credit for that. Just like you also can't ignore the fact that Tommy Reese played a big role. And look, all the guys on campus right now, not one of them deserves credit, Not is here because of Gino Gadulli. Not one. They're here because of Tommy Reese. Now it's up to Gino Gadulli to take the play of the quarterback room to the next level, and that's what we haven't seen in a long yeah. time. And that's where Coach Gadulli is going to get a lot of credit, in my opinion. That's so, um, you know, So they all deserve credit for it. And hopefully – Tyler continues to be that guy because he's got all the talent in the world, folks, whether it's this year or next. And if he's not the starting quarterback this year and he stays at Notre Dame, not only will he be a dude down the road, but he's going to have a big say in how good Sam Hartman's going to be next year. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Sam Hartman has never, ever been through a practice where the guy behind him spun it. And I'm talking, yes, and no, I have not forgot about Jamie Newman, who was one of the most overrated quarterbacks that I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Future first-round pick, Jamie Newman. Yeah. Guy who can't complete 50% of his passes against a team with a pulse, you know. But, like, (laughs) he's never had a kid spin it the way that guys like Tyler Buckner and Kenny Minchie spin it. And that's going to make him better because Sam can't afford to have a day where he's like, you know what, I don't feel like being here today. You know, no, (laughs) you may not feel like it, but, you know, you can rest all you want over there in the sideline. He's got to bring it every day, and that's what I love about this team, Ryan. You know, look, I think Tobias Merriweather could be a star, but you know why he's going to be even better than than maybe he otherwise would have been? Because he can't take a day off. Yeah. Because he's got Lorenzo and Caleb Smith and Dion and Braylon and Jaden and Rico, Jay, you know, Jaden Thomas, Caleb's the younger Caleb Smith shows up all breathing down his neck. 
Hey, you don't want to do it? Fine, coach. Let's go 12 personnel. Holden Stace wants to be in the game. Hey, coach, we're going to go 21 personnel because Chris Tyree wants to be in the game or Chris Tyree's a slot or whatever the case may be. So we're just going to move Jaden Thomas outside if you don't want to bring it, Tobias. But that's the thing is, but Tobias is going to bring it because he is a worker. But even if you're a worker, having that push is huge, huge. Yeah. And and if a guy doesn't want to work, then okay, it's fine. We got somebody else. And that's what I love about the the depth on this football team is, man. You don't, you, hey Maris, do you want to bring it today? Fine. Hey Nolan, get in there. Yeah. You know. Hey Jalen, get in there. Hey Prince, get in there. Hey, you know, Drake Bowen, get in there. Hey Jaden Osberg, get in there. You know, and that's that's what I like about this team, Ryan. Is there's just there's a lot. It's young. The, a lot of that talent is that we're talking about is young. There's a lot of talent on this football team, man. No a about lot it, man. of talent on this football team. It is a fun time to be a Notre Dame fan. There's kind of no like doubt you, about that. Kind of like you and Vince yesterday, Brian. I'm trying not to get too amped up early. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're I'm, here, man. Because <laughs> you know it's spring, right? And they haven't yes. played a game, and they haven't lost a game. The quarterbacks mm. haven't thrown an interception that we've seen yet, or whatever. Yeah. And you're just like, look, I don't want to get too fired up because it's mid. It's we're not even halfway through spring ball. And then you're just like, good lord, these guys look good, you know. It's like, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. Yep. So, um, but yeah, it's a better place to be than next year. Like, because last year was like, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, and if this happens, they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yep. And you know, but somebody on the mess, I think it was O'Neill, said this on the message board. He's like, but the, you kind of had to hit the inside straight for it to work. And this year, it's like, if this guy and this guy don't want to pan out, that's fine. You're good. You're set. You know what I mean? Sure. And, you know, like like Logan Diggs is a little banged up. Nobody's talking about it. Why? Because, oh, fine. He'll <laughs> he'll be back in time. It's March. He'll be fine. And they're loaded. They're running back anyway. Yes. You know? So uh, it's, oh, a, no. it's a fun place to be. Oh, no. We have to play Jadarian Price and Jabron no, Payne and Jeremiah Love. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was talking. Ryan, I've said this to you, and I believe this. And I was talking with somebody today whose football knowledge I respect a great deal. And I said, Notre Dame is fortunate that Jabron Payne got injured because if he didn't get injured in high school, he's at Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State right now. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have flipped him from those he, he he They could flip him from Indiana because he got overlooked because, and understandably because of the injuries. Sure. Jabron Payne's a good football player. Sure. And just, we got to see, I, I just haven't seen him play like that guy since he was a sophomore. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks if he, if he's that guy again. But if he is, all of a sudden you're, Really good running back room just got even better. Yeah. And uh Dela McCall's gonna look like an even more of a genius because he fought to get the kid here, you know, even though they didn't need a running back in the class because they're at Darren Price. Even as a sophomore, he averaged like over 10 yards a carry or something like that, man. Like Jabron yeah. was really good. <laughs> in Cincinnati, right? Like in yes. playing in Cincinnati, he wasn't playing like Bums. some <laughs> tiny podunk, you know, Western Buckeye League or something like that, right? He was playing in Cincinnati. Yeah. He's he's got schools. I just skills. We just got to find out if he can be that guy again. Yep. And that's going to be the key. But the talent's there. And that's what you love about this team. Like if I have to play J- Jabron Payne at some point in time, I'm not like, oh my God, we're putting a borderline walk on a game. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> we're be all right. Like, let's just say worst case scenario, you don't have Logan Diggs, you don't have Audric Estimate, you don't have Jadarian Price, you don't have access to Chris Tyree. Mm-hmm. If you go to a run a game this year and you've got Chris Tyree and, or excuse me, uh, Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne as your two running backs, or excuse me, Jeremiah Love and your Jabron Payne as your two running backs. Guess what? You're fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're okay. You're going, especially with that offensive line, you're going to be all right. Yes. You know, and that's a that's a great place to be. 
it, yeah. it, how far we've come to where in 2019 it was Tony Jones Jr. and nothing else. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, boy, things have come a long way in a short period and, of time. And, and we had to leave that Georgia game where it's just like we knew we were going to be able to run the ball. It was like, oh, great. Yeah. I'd love yeah. that. Thank, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great place to be. Well, anyway, Ryan, that's going to take us – why don't you take us out of here, man? That's going to do it for today's show. Yeah, we want to thank everybody for joining us live today. Again, Brian dropped some great intel, some spring intel on the offensive side of the football. He'll have the defensive intel over the next day or two, so if you want to make sure to tap into that, boards at irishbreakdown.com. We'll be back later tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern time, for IB Nation Sports Talk, so make sure you tune into the channel. How do you do that? Hit that notification bell, share this podcast, hit that like button, and of course, always visit irishbreakdown.com as we continue to pump out a ton more team and recruiting content. Want to thank you all so much. We'll catch you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.